welcome to the Popcorn Junkies. Hey, Let me do it without my glasses. Hey, and welcome hey, to Popcorn, popcorn Junkies. Popcorn Junkies, Popcorn Junkies. Uh, we are here to review Damien Chazelle's Babylon. Babylon. Now, this comes with a huge fanfare of trailers, Margot Robbie snorting cocaine, elephant poo, uh, Brad Pitt in his pants, uh, all sorts of all sorts, all sorts of wonderful stuff. But of course, Diego Calva, not really getting a look in in the pre-publicity, I didn't think. And um, in many ways, this is Diego Calva's film. film. So Damien Chazelle, what do we, let, let's deal with the yeah. director first. Okay. So Damien Chazelle, Whiplash, loved it. Then he made La La Land, which we all loved. But then I begin to wonder whether we were all kind of a bit mad. Because yeah. when I look back at it, it's a bit sickening. It is a bit. And just think I had one of my very last arguments I ever had with my mother over that film. Yeah, she hated it. Like it? a proper argument, because mm. she was saying that it, we never didn't make films like they used to in the old days, which is a bit of a joke when you think of this film that we're about to review, yeah, isn't absolutely, it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, then he made First Man. Oh, did he? Yeah. How come I've missed that? Uh, that didn't have any music in it at all, did it? Um, and then, of course, Babylon is his next film. It stars Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt... As I said, uh, Diego Calva, Toby Maguire. There's lots of subsidiary characters in there. Samara Weaving, uh, Olivia Wilde. Although I don't remember which one was Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde. Yeah. Um, and it's a huge ensemble cast. And and yet, really, it does just pivot around three main characters, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, it's set within 1920s Hollywood. Mm -hmm. um, and as you rightly said, going back to the thing you just said, um, <clears throat> I I kind of went into this thinking: Is this about real people? Are these real characters? Are these real stars? Then I didn't really care because no. I thought it was just an impressionistic portrait of 1920s uh, Hollywood. And then I realised quite quickly with Fatty Arbuckle that they were kind of playing fast and loose with yeah, real and not real. Yeah, I but, felt we were made to care. I mean, I didn't care before no. I went in, but then I felt I was made to care by the fact that some references were so specific, like yeah. the Fatty Arbuckle. Yeah. And other ones um, towards the end of the film when he actually put up the names of certain actors and actresses that his cast had played. Yeah, yeah I mean, I suppose what he was doing here was it was a fictional telling of fictional actors within a factual yeah. portrait of Hollywood yeah, at a certain yeah. time. Okay, it's three hours, nine minutes long. Um, I really like the trailer. I, I got really excited. You didn't. You were really no. circumspect from the get-go. Whereas me and Nadia saw the first trailer and we were like, oh, wow. I mean, what not to like about something to do with Hollywood and cinema and filmmaking? And yeah, one of the what? reasons was that I didn't like the trailer, though, was because I had a horrible feeling that Brad Pitt was redoing his usual shtick, which he does now. Whereas I actually really didn't think that in the film at all. I thought Brad Pitt was great. Right. And he's one of my few sorts of things all the way through that thought he got better. Oh, right. And I liked him. So yeah, right. that I didn't stay exactly the same. like in every other part I've ever seen him. No, I, I mean, that was my first. More, well, I mean, more yeah. Heart. <coughs> yeah, Towards I guess the end. so. I guess so. We start with a like huge 20 minute, huge 20 minute scene at the beginning, 25 minute scene before even the opening title comes up Babylon. Yeah. What did you think of that first 20 minutes, which was a hedonistic, nihilistic, bacchanalian party? Yeah. I was wanting to suspend judgment completely at that point. I thought, I must ask Mark if this is a single shot. Mm, no, no, because I thought, the. I mean, I had lots of sorts of reasons that, because I'm not a film director or a camera person and know nothing about that aspect, where it, the camera was sweeping, sweeping, sweeping. I thought there's lots to do with that that I admire, but that was all. I wasn't mm. getting any feeling from from mm. my gut of what was happening and whether it was interesting or funny or part or partying or focusing on one person or another. Yeah, no, I think I, I well, I entirely agree. I mean, I, you know, obviously we have the much talked about opening opening scene of an elephant shitting on someone. And yeah, I like that. Must well, say. in the sense that I wasn't expecting it, I hadn't read that. No, it wasn't expect. Well, potentially wasn't expecting it. it I just thought it was just so cynically placed there and it was just so over the top and it was all so unbelievable. And I mean, so much that, I mean, I think the problem with this film is it doesn't know whether to say what it's showing is unbelievable or whether what it's showing is meant to be believable. And I think that's a real dilemma for it because at times you think, well, is this nibbling at the edges of lunacy, i.e. it's projecting towards what, you know, so elephants coming into parties and all that. And then you sort of think, well, is this literal? And I think 
and I think it was purposefully trying to mine that furrow between reality, fiction, fact, what's on the screen, what's in real life. Yeah, yeah just sticking with this opening 20 minutes. I had, real, I had a real problem with this because it reminded me of that Paolo Sorrentino film where it started with a party. The Great Beauty. Yeah, and it started with one shot of the actor. Yes. One of the most sensational opening 15 minutes. Yes. And that opening scene was sensationally done. And, and the reason it was sensationally done was it didn't try too hard to do anything other than focus on one man as he passed yeah. through the party. Yeah, that was its mistake maybe, this one. Yeah, and I thought, I could see what it was going for. It entirely missed it for me. Yeah. I found it, because like, I was talking to the guys after I saw, I saw it on my own, and they were like, well, what about that big scene at the beginning that you hear all that? And I was like, it ended up being so supremely choreographed, I was only looking at the choreography of it all. Yeah. Everything was contrived. So yeah. as the camera went by and there was someone kind of, it yeah. was all too perfect. It was all too controlled. Yeah. It was all too slick. It was all too... You know, then Margot Robbie landing in the middle of it. It was, it was too, I mean, lit, and this is something that when I think back to films like Whiplash and La La Land, everything is so controlled. Mm-hmm. It's so contrived. It's so choreographed. Mm-hmm. And there's, yeah, choreography is good when it's a, a you know, a set piece, dance piece. Mm-hmm. And this is a set piece of sorts. But it was so choreographed, as you say, I didn't care. It didn't no, touch me. I didn't no. feel anything. No. Were we supposed to feel that it was a single shot or was that just there were, No, not at all. I mean, no, there, were, okay. there were some obvious cuts, but I mean, there were, swooping, there were moments, there were it, moments yeah. where he was pushing the camera around and he'll have done those elisions where there's a yeah. sort of, you know, but no, it wasn't. It was meant to be this sort of all-encompassing manifestation of awfulness and excess. You've got the fatty arbuckle scene, you've got death happening there. And you're quite, you're told quite quickly the way in which the studios will do anything to kind of cover up a scandal yeah. to keep the industry and the machine going. It was an awful long-winded way to say that though, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it went on. It did go on. It went on and on and on. Mm-hmm. So what did you think of Margot Robbie? Well, I, I'm, I'm in a peculiar place over Margot Robbie because Maddie always sort of looks at me when I say that and says, don't you think she can act? I do think she can act. I think she can do Margot Robbie, which mm. basically is Tonya Tonya again and again and again and again. Or Harley Quinn. Or Harley Quinn. Mm. And I never see her do anything different. No. And I, she always sort of convinces me if I'm enjoying the film she's in, mm. But she never pushes pushes it in any way at all. And because she was playing a sort of, I felt, a really annoying character in this, I didn't mm. feel anything. Yeah, I um, liked the man much more. Diego Calvo. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I thought Diego Calvo was great. So Diego Calvo was this guy sort of at the fringes, wasn't he? He, he was willing to do anything. But he had no involvement with film. He just wanted to be in Hollywood. Yeah. He wanted to be on film sets. He kept asking. No one would give him a job. He was Mexican, right? Yeah. Um, Margot Robbie, aspirant actress. And because actually Fatty Arbuckle's uh, actress dies, she sort of inveigles her way in and gets offered a part. What I did like about the film was the way in which it kind of it, it didn't pull its punches in showing the purely non-creative industrial aspect of cinema yeah. filmmaking yeah so for example when they both walk onto the you know it's the first day on set they're going to go on set meanwhile brad pitt's story is big. so you've had three you've got three stories you've yeah. got margot robbie's you've got brad pitt's and you've got diego calvers and they're all moving and, and yeah. brad pitt is the established star yeah the other two are the aspirants yeah, yeah. um but they have this i i liked the introduction of for the filmmaking process in Hollywood, I thought it was he- yeah. hideously unromantic. Yeah, no, I, I like that too. And there were some sort of bits where he that he spent a long time on that some people would have thought were far more mm. boring than say that first scene, mm. like the scene where we're dealing with sound and Margot Robbie oh. comes on. Yeah, comes on with the bag, and yeah. that's he holds that throughout the whole procedure. And one could Sorry. be going mad in the end, couldn't one? We're thinking he'd just shoot it, Not but I thought that was great. Like, I one of my, was I was, well, I'm pleased you said that because one of my top top scenes in it. So, so the first first day on set, they're in this huge field, and I thought this was wonderfully. And I thought, wow, I wonder if this was true. And they had lots of little, not even sound stages, but little setups yeah. where because it was silent cinema, you yeah. can't hear anything. Yeah, lots of scenes of being shot. So you've got yes. a pub here, you've got cowboys here, you've got something else over here, something else over here, Chinese laundry, and all yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You had all of the kind of you know 
politically incorrect kind of stereotypes around women, men, black people. We'll talk about that. That's actually yeah. the fourth story as well, isn't it? And it's a good one. And it's a really good one. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and this is all happening in a field. And it was just, and it was like a battlefield, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. Brad Pitt was in his tent. He'd come yeah. up, arrows would land. I thought there was a kind of, there was a kind of comedy and farcical nature to all of that that I, enamoured me. Yeah, I found it yeah. quite charming and I thought yeah. it was quite witty. Didn't you think Brad Pitt, though, in those scenes was quite funny? In no. a sort of relaxed, I, I just, I've been here a long time I sort like of Brad way. Pitt. I really yeah. like Brad Pitt and I want to like him more in every part that he does. I, I just, he misses his target with comedy. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree that I think he went too far with it and now he, he can't do it. But I did think, so as the film went on, he became sort of more mm. serious, and I quite like that. Yeah, there's quite a bit of introspection, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So when they're shooting lots of these films, in the silent films, they have an orchestra going, I presume yeah. to get mood and yeah. kind of energy yeah. going, you can't hear it. And so, of course, Jovan Adipo plays the uh, sort of trumpetist in the band, yeah. uh, a character called Sydney. let's call him Sydney. Yeah. And Sydney's story arc, I thought, was fascinating because it was dealt very subtly, but yeah. it was very meaningful, and it was incredibly heartbreaking. It was just, I felt it, I, I mean, in a way, it doesn't matter if it was true or not. There'd be lots of things that did happen yeah, as yeah, if it was exactly, true. Exactly. But it, as I was watching it, my mouth fell open because you could hardly believe what was happening. And he plays it amazingly, yeah, 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 yeah. There's it? one particular scene where he's asked by Diego. Diego Calva sort of climbs up the kind of executive uh, sort of le levels. And then you have this moment where he gives boot polish, essentially, to him as a black man to black up more. Well, he says the light's too big on your face because you're playing, playing mm. the solos. And so the people behind you don't look darky. So to keep in, in mm. line with him, you've got to look dark. Yeah. And you can see this Well, no, they I hold mean, the shot. I thought he held the, yeah. the shot wonderfully. For absolutely mm. ages. And, and, and right the way through the film, although there were bits that I laughed out loud at and not a lot, but various things, I thought he was a standout, mm. standout mm. person. Yeah, it? no, he really was. And his really story good. as well was fascinating. Yeah, and it doesn't, I mean, it probably occupies about 5% of the film, but it, yeah. it kicks through so powerfully. And I thought, again, you can see Daniel Chazelle's obviously a jazz fan. He shoots jazz music so brilliantly um you know there was invention there his his editing style his camera work reflective of the music is really you know snazzy yeah. and snappy the so other he... person that they tried to say was like the fifth person that was in it like the the black trumpet player not as much was the Susie Wong character or the person mm. playing the film star Susie Wong mm. who who he meets Brad Pitt no I didn't either Mark but but some people have talked about her a lot and saying she was exactly right and right. Blah, blah, blah 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 but yeah. I didn't either and so really it's a film about lots and lots of these parties lots and lots of film sets Diego Calvo goes sort of Calvo goes sort of gets higher and higher uh, Margot Robbie becomes a starlet and, and becomes more and more unpredictable more and more yeah. chaotic she, yeah. she gambles a lot she drinks a lot she has sex a lot she's always in trouble and yet there's a strange bond between her yeah. and Diego Calvert, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. Um, well, they were together on the way up, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, kind of. I mean, what I was struggling with in this was I didn't really feel the emotional truth of anyone. And I suppose you're kind of right. I think if there was anyone in it that gave us any emotional depth or light and shade, it was Brad Pitt. Yeah, I, so I, I think Margot did. She just she, went, no, she doesn't. She just went like a rocket upwards and then blows up. Which, in a way, which is, is fine because that's yeah. Is but there were no moments. Of, it's like if I had another scene where she was sort of basically going nuts off of cocaine. You, you're not a star. You're born a star. You're not made yeah. a star. You're born a star. I'm thinking, yes, okay, give us something mm. different, Robbie. Mm. I mean, it's not your fault, but mm. somebody writes us something different for God's sake. But I do want to say you've already mentioned it. There's, there's one particular scene where she has to do a million takes in yeah, a sound studio. I love that. She has to hit her mark. She has to drop her case. I thought. This, for me, was just a brilliant, brilliant scene. It's almost a short film. Yeah. I thought yes. it was standout alone. You, you're, you've got it from the POV of her getting hotter and hotter, learning her lines, hungover, whatever. You've got the sound recorder. So this is when sounds just comes. You've got the sound recordist and a box at the top. Now, look, uh, the amount of shoots I've been on where you've gone for so many takes and because the sound recordist can't 
can't give it an all clear. You have to go again. You have to go yeah, again. Yeah. People interrupt. First, the first assistant director, floor manager guy is losing his shit and yes. starts to say, I will literally make you eat my shit. Yes, yeah, you... which I totally believed at that yeah. point. The frustrations were great. The cameraman, because of course the reason the cameraman's in a box is because which it's is a sounding. The, the whir of the camera had to be. He kept coming out going, I'm so hot in here. I mean, this was LA, wasn't this it? Was LA, and this was, I thought this was an hysterical. Absolutely. And yet at the same time, incredibly true. I'd have thought that the crew shooting this scene would have had huge fun. And also, and I, I, absolutely true, Mark. And as the audience, because where that that showed to me signs of a clever director. Absolutely. He kept it going to the end so that when they got the take, we all stood up. <laughs> we all stood up and then I won't give it away. But then shit. Yes. Have yeah. they got it or not? Yeah, yeah. Very, very funny. No, I did. Remarkable. Which almost made me madder about the undisciplinedness of mm. the rest of it. And the fact that I thought, uh, the trouble with Marco Robbie Undisciplined is, is a really good word. Yeah. Because Mar he's a great director. I think he is, but mm. I think he's, he's, I don't know. I mean. It was like, it was like a Catherine wheel that's flown off its mark. Yeah. <laughs> I suddenly realised as well, as I was about three quarters of the way through it, not that this means anything, but Robbie and um, Brad Pitt were both in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah, weren't they? they were, yeah. And in a sense, that was trying to do this similar thing, but doing yeah. it more restrainedly, yeah, very yeah. much more restrainedly. I was also getting vibes around Hail Caesar with all the kind of film sets, you know, the, the Coen Brothers film. Yeah, um, but, but then also, and this is where he's even worse than just undisciplined, is he took us on a complete arc. And at the end, I think he's also very a very sentimental man. He brought us back to the sort of present as much as you can get the present where oh. Manny goes back into Hollywood. Well, we'll get to the end of the Yeah, minute. and that yeah. was totally... Yeah, and also there was a really frustrating musical refrain which has been lifted from La La Land. I mean, it was virtually oh. the same chord. It was the oh. love refrain between Diego Calva and um, oh, okay. Margot Robbie. A lot um, of people spoke about them working up towards a, a, an analysis of singing in the rain. Mark Commode went nuts over this analysis. He said, anybody that says anything bad about singing in the rain needs to think again because it's my favourite film. Nobody was saying anything I bad about it. Was saying anything bad. They I think were just what, saying what he was this saying... is what happened before. Yeah, and it, what, what he was saying was that Diego Calva was conscious of the fact that all of them standing in pink outfits was shit and you needed someone like Gene Kelly exactly. doing it. Exactly. Yeah, no, I didn't get no, that. It's not, it's not it's really weird. Um, one, what I would say the film then becomes, and there's so many kind of vignettes and scenes yeah. that you could pull at so many, but a couple that are worth mentioning. Um, is the fact that Toby Maguire's in there? Great character. My he, favourite scene, in fact. How could I have forgotten? Absolutely, that? and he reminds just because of him. Just because of him, he's filled. He's horrible. This drug dealing kind of wheeling kind of. I was weird... so I was so sort of taken with him. He always plays sweet, sweet, sweet guys. Mm. He always no hardly in anything, and he's blue. Yeah, and let's, he's, let's, and let's, he's got let's, rotten teeth. Let's not, just not beat around yeah, the bush. Yeah. To the point where I went and looked up if either taking a lot of yeah. either major blue because yeah, I thought it, he's. He's he was scary. hideous. He was hideous, and then he takes them down into this ludicrous kind of dungeon because he's hell. essentially they owe him money. He's yeah, the kind of dealer yeah. for Hollywood. Um, he's just unspeakably foul. I was getting Dean Stockwell vibes from yeah, Blue Velvet. Yeah, and you know the whole Milton thing of seven channels yes, of yeah, hell, absolutely. and he was, and he was, he was going the down into, oh, and you know, there's sort of all sorts of people having sex and people punching each other, and a man eating a rat, and all this kind of malarkey. Yeah. And weirdly, I thought Toby Maguire was powerful until he was down there, and it completely punctured its drama because it came that became them all chasing him. Yeah. And I thought it could have been you much. Didn't what to do with it, I it? also thought the film became in its arc, or it tried to be, but it didn't succeed at it. Creating that same couple, because there was a point at which Diego Calva kind of just turned his back on his on his kind of film career to save Margot, which yeah. I didn't believe. Yeah, and it was no, a big no, good fellasy. It was a big good fellasy. The idea that they were being chased, yeah. needing to escape their kind of shit that they were in, and all yeah. that kind of stuff, but it wasn't done as well. No, no, I would agree with that. He's not good at joining up the dots. He's also not good mm. at keeping, if he's got, I mean, he'd got the two main characters with Brad Pitt on the outside doing yeah. his, I'm getting to be an older actor and yeah. I'm going to be introspective yeah. and you either believe me or you don't, which I started to, so that was fair mm. enough for me. But I can I can understand if people didn't. But um, 
but yeah no I just don't think I think there's some things that he's very good at but the things he thinks he's really good at which are the sweeping scenes mm -hmm. in the beginning which he's got no restraint on at all mm -hmm. I mean it's the smaller say, scenes it's the smaller setup smaller scenes he's better at there was one really powerful scene with, with uh, Brad Pitt that I really want to mention before we sum up and it was the scene with him and Gene Smart and I thought this oh, that's a, the, yeah. This was a really challenging scene where Gene Smart delivers some of the best written uh, sort of dialogue of the film, I thought, where she talks about in Hollywood, you will die, I will die, we'll all die, yeah. but there will be people in 70 years' time that dust yeah. off the kind of reels, the projector, they'll watch you and you'll live on. And she said to him, it's over. Yeah. Your career's yeah. over. And there's an interesting parallel here because... It's where Brad Pitt is at. Yeah. Well, and I thought he was, in his own way, channelling that realisation. Well, I thought that, exactly. That's why I said it at yeah. the beginning. I thought, for good or for bad, or whether it was accidental or whatever, he felt that mm. and he gave us it. And I thought, well, it's good for you, mate. the best I've ever seen him Yeah, do. and me. It was all interior, mainly yeah. interior. So he mm. stopped all this. I mean, he could yeah, be slapstick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, He's done all of that. But I thought, oh, my God, Brad, you're an actor. Yeah, and Gene Smart sort and of matched him. She sort of drew it out. It was, it was a brilliant two-header, that Yeah, scene, and what's more, he's becoming an older actor of Hollywood. So the 60. things that he was saying is is true for him. And so there was, that gave it an even more sort of tragic thing. When, when something else happens at the end of the film, it's a sort of tragic kind of... Oh my God, what happens? It's like footballers who, you know, their career ends at 40. You know, actors must hit a sort of peak where they go, yeah. this is kind of it. That, you know, with streaming now, there's a kind of last hurrah for many actors. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of that kind of star power, I thought, wow, this will be digging deep into Brad. And I felt on yeah. that big close-up. So that's a particular scene. So, he, looks, he looks great as well, I think. Yeah. He looks as well as I've ever seen yeah, him yeah, look. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't look young. No. He doesn't look like a young boy, but no. he looks like a matinee yeah, idol. I, I actually thought when it was doing the dark, uh, hell-like underbelly, it needed to be a bit grittier. I thought it was too yeah. polished. Yeah. I wanted it more sort of mucky. I thought the sex was a bit just sort of yeah. a bit romantic, kind of horrible rather but than horrible. Biting the heads off rats just to bring just to bring it in from somewhere. It must be a thing because it's that thing that they did in the carnival, wasn't it, where a man bites the head off a rat? Ozzy Osbourne used to do it as well. Well, no, no, I know, but that's much much later. But yeah. but then I, I was sort of because Toby Maguire in himself just sitting there smiling. Mm. We had the alligator on mm. the way there was so scary and mm. then he drops it he drops the whole idea so we're thinking yeah, yeah, it started like... running around like keystone cops yeah it was like <laughs> it was like keystone cops and then the final thing which i nearly forgot about was a beautiful montage at the end of the film which yeah, really what did got you me. think about well, that? Well, it really got me. That's, had, it, that's had critic, critical well, acclaim and the, uncritical Right, acclaim. well, this is the weird thing about it. It started really well, and I thought, we're going to get a montage of all the moments from cinema. Yeah. And you did. And then suddenly you had a roller coaster, and then it went really abstract, which I, I'm a big fan of just washes of colour. It was almost like he ran out of clearances to use other films. Yeah. It was really weird. It started with a certain attention, and then it sort of lost its... Lost mojo. his mojo. I was with him up until the roller coaster because I suddenly remembered, and this was taking me back to when I was a very young girl and used to go to the cinema with my mother. And mm. I have to have to admit it was mainly to see South Pacific for the fifty millionth time. And that was in the days when films were on a constant loop. Right. So, so you, you went in at any point. Film, yeah. And between the two films, they had a roller coaster. Did they? I they never did. Knew that. No, oh, they wow. did. And, I, and and in, in a bit like the Steven Spielberg moment of seeing a train crash and it meaning a lot to him, this roller coaster oh, meant wow. masses to oh, me. I and I suddenly thought. I, I said, oh, I've remembered it. I've actually got... Um, no, I'm not surprised. But then he lost it after that. But I thought, well, up until that point, he was showing the history. Because it would have cost something. a fortune getting those clips. Yes, the clearances. Yes. It felt like he then ran out yeah. of money. Was, <laughs> yeah, oh, maybe shit, I need to did. think of something else. Yeah. But I thought the idea behind that... So, Somebody my age must have said, oh, well, we had deals used yeah. to do this, you yeah. know. So, yeah. I, you know, I can't work out whether what carried this over a higher line or a more successful yeah. line for me was just sheer, by sheer dint of the fact that it's set in Hollywood. I'm a big sucker for that kind of thing. I yeah, thought right. when there were moments that worked, they really worked. I, I laughed out loud with the film scene. I was really moved by Brad Pitt in that moment. I didn't feel the rest of his character was particularly well drawn. There are sparks of it being well written. 
I thought Margot Robbie was unfortunately at the same energy all the way through the film. And that might be the case with certain characters off their head on cocaine. But even the drug taking didn't feel real. There was a sort of, it was like a, it was like drug taking bacchanalian sex light. Yeah. It could, needed to kind of go, you needed a bit of Lynchian kind of. Yeah. And oh. also people like, I mean, who is it did Scarface and the yeah. old days when Al Pacino used yeah. to fall into a load of coke. Yeah. I mean, those things were gritty and scary. It was romanticised a bit. Yeah. But this was like, yes, there's piles of everything you could possibly want. Tony, Toby Maguire is blue. <laughs> oh, okay. That's just part of the no, those, I can see Toby, I like that. So I love the scene where they just sat at the table. When it got into, yeah, you're I right, joining the dots is yeah. a really nice way of putting it. He struggles with joining the dots. So yeah. interestingly, I came out of it not hating it as much as I thought I was going to hate oh, it. Okay. And actually finding parts of it remarkably enjoyable um, and and just fascinating because I was just looking at, oh, I wonder if this was the case. I wonder if this is how they made stuff. So in summary, I would probably give this film actually 65. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder what I'd have said if I'd have gone first. Because I, I hated that first scene, yeah, sweeping yeah, camera scene. Um, and I sort of thought this is what we were going to get all the way through mm. it. I do have a pro. I mean, it's not a big problem with Margot Robbie, but I do think she shows no development ever anywhere, and there was none in this. It's, it's being reflected at the box office. She needs to. She needs a hit with Barbie. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's, they certainly need to do something with her. The guy was nice enough, the main guy, but you know that's all he was. Mm, mm. The standout moments were the ones. I mean, Susie Wong. They keep talking about, and she did do a, a good number in a club lesbian number, which was mm. famous. That mm, number. Mm. There was that. And there was the black trumpeter was Very astounding, sensational, yeah. and then it was the odd moments as you say that mm. sort of sound thing with a keep dropping a case and mm. yes we've got it those are fascinating and those were the bits that made me stay in the cinema yeah, yeah, yeah. and and love those bits it was like skimming a stone and every now yeah. and then it was every time it hit the water yeah you'd go oh yeah oh yeah. there were great sort of swathes of confused babble really. yeah and you babble 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 on, yeah. babble on it, and it, it was quite full when i saw it my the cine world and people didn't like it you could tell wow. they didn't like wow. it okay i mean they were sort of willing to go with the the i suppose in a way the disgustingness of the first scene. Well, within the then... first 10 minutes, you've had an elephant shit all over one. You've had a woman vomit, uh, pissing on a man. You've got vomit everywhere. I mean, it's a disgusting introduction to a film and it holds your arm's length. And it, yeah. and it sort of, for me, it was just, it was quite angry. And, and then it went to this great long scene. I tell you what I was put in mind when the elephant walked into the party. I thought, Peter Sellers as the party did this better. Oh yeah, Do you that's remember the elephant true. comes in at the end of the party? Yeah, it yeah. needed to build. I don't know. There was just something about it that was ridiculous. There was. I mean, over the elephant scene, though. I mean, there's something I quite liked about the idea of trying to yeah. just take an elephant through the deserts yeah. of LA. <laughs> I mean, even in itself, although yeah, yeah. who would have thought he'd have done that? So Mark, I, I hate to say it, but more or less the same as you. Oh. I might give it a slightly more, maybe seventy, because I really did like Brad Pitt towards the end. I liked some of the scenes very much. I loved. Yeah, and I love the trumpet purpose of it already. If you're yeah. into, what I would say as a final line on this is, it's been panned and it's nosedived at the box office. Mm. It's not as bad as you think, if, especially if you're a fan of Hollywood and you know the recent The Fableman's just wonderful, a much more romantic film. This thinks it's gritty. It's not as gritty as it thinks it is, but no, it has some not. wonderful vignettes and moments in it, which are really thought-provoking. And I have to say, I think the Brad Pitt Gene Smart scene is top draw brilliant it, it yeah. has all sorts of implications for what fame is about and even the most successful sort of moneyed up people have to face these awful kind of their mortality you yeah know? and i felt in that moment brad pitt was facing his yeah absolutely which and is it, why it, was it, a, it was a perfect chain together of the two things so yeah, yeah, yeah. i kind of hope for his sake he does get another big role he will yeah, he will. he's so, a so. movie star he's a movie producer too <laughs> well there you go there you go babylon babylon